Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy, the show that talks 100% L.A. Galaxy soccer. We're glad you could join us. Now it's time to sit back and relax as your hosts navigate through the twisting, turning, but never boring world of the five-time MLS Cup champion, L.A. Galaxy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Corner of the Galaxy on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Guessman, coming to you on a Thursday, October 8th, after the LA Galaxy lose to the Portland Timbers 6-3. Yes, your LA Galaxy do suck. Uh, they've sucked for a little while now, and we're going to talk all about that as we get you ready for a game against Colorado. Uh, FYI, the LA Galaxy traveling to Colorado on Friday, so they will actually have an overnight in Colorado. That's a little breaking news for you. You're welcome. Um, all right. So we're going to get that. We have a whole bunch to talk about. We're going to go over the roster. We have a giveaway from Counterculture. Our friend Victor over at Counterculture gave us some uh, some fun things to give away. So stick in there. Can have a trivia question. You're going to need to answer it. You're going to need to email me. We're going to give you time to do that. And then we're going to pick some random winners from the people who answered it correctly. All right. Uh, I think that about does it for the intro. To help me out on the show, the hammer is back. Eric, the Portuguese hammer beer. How's it going, buddy? It's going all right. Uh, again, you, you didn't introduce me by my proper name. The member of the member of the press, the Portuguese hammer, Eric Vieira. Uh, so uh, I like to be addressed by my full title now. Anything that I say tonight totally does not may, mean anything because I wasn't at the game. I was at home watching yeah. on television like, like like the rest of it. But Eric, Eric was in the stadium. So you're going to get real insight. Um, and by the way, whenever he Eric, you put out the grading the galaxy and then I go through it. I would like everybody to know that I do not influence or change any of the stuff that you get wrong whenever you do grading the galaxy. And there's a lot yeah. of stuff in there. I'm like, oh, God, that that grade for yeah. this person. Okay. And, I'm, and I can see it because I'm going to have to see the comments. I know they're coming. And I'm like, yeah, you're going to get a comment for that one and a comment for that. So, yeah, I just want everybody to know that's you 100%. I, I want no credit. That's, that's actually one of my favorite parts about doing that piece since I've been doing it is because because it's Corner of the Galaxy and you're Josh Guessman, everything everyone just assumes that goes back to you. So uh, you get yelled at and I get to I get to give my, my trash takes that I saw and uh, and you get yelled at. So so it ends up working out. So uh, to me, this it's my favorite favorite piece that I, I get to do this season. I was going to say best best for everybody. Everybody wins. Um, are, are, are you OK after that game? Um, I, I would imagine it seeing was, it in person. It was it was a if, little little worse if, than TV maybe. Yeah, if I was not a Galaxy fan, I'd enjoy the fact that I got to see nine goals in ninety minutes, which was, you know, you don't get to see that every day. And so, just the fact that it was an absolute goal fest is something that I uh, appreciate it for what it was. But when you're a supporter of the team that is getting their uh, rear ends handed to them, it wasn't so fun. So, um, you know, I, I I got to see a different perspective. I think you know, being a big member of Galaxy Twitter and seeing some of their responses. I don't know. I, I think there's just something about being there and seeing it live that's just a, you get a little bit of a different view on it. Um, so I saw things a little bit differently than what, what I think how people were seeing it uh, on the stream or, or on TV. So, um, again, all in all, when you lose 6-3, it's not a good performance. So you can take some positives, and I'm sure we'll touch on that when we recap the game, the positives that you can take out of this. But at the end of the day, you gave up six goals. You got beat up at home uh, on a team that's traveling, a team that you've beat earlier in the season. So you, you can't be happy with a performance. And then just given uh, how, how GBS was talking after the game, uh, how uh, Daniel Stairs and how Sasha Kluster and how they were talking after the game, you could just tell this, this team – had had their tail between their legs. Yeah, they should have. I mean, you know, quite honestly, you want you want some some early trivia here, uh, and I put it in my game recap. I did a quick little uh, little search. Um, so you know, ninety eight percent ninety eight percent sure that this is an accurate uh, stat as well. Uh, the LA Galaxy in their entire twenty five year history have only allowed an opponent to score six goals five times. Okay. Uh, the earliest of those was in 2009. Bruce Serena had just taken over in 2009, came in at the end of the 2008 series uh, or 2008 uh, uh, season, uh, and then went ran through all the way through 2009. We all know that in 2009, the LA Galaxy ended up going to MLS Cup and losing to Real Salt Lake. Having said that, they lost 6-3 to three versus Dallas on September 12th. All right, these are all regular season. We did none of the... Um, of the postseason stuff. I think there might be one postseason game, and I think it was against Dallas um, that maybe got to six, yeah. but it was certainly five. Um, and that was like the Western Conference final, if I remember correctly. Um, that was that shocker that, year. Uh, yeah. 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 Everybody just walked in. I think that was 2010. 
uh, whenever that happened. I don't. I didn't look up that score because they're not easily and readily available. Because why would you make that information readily and easily available? So anyway, uh, this is all regular season. But that was a six-three loss versus Dallas. Um, then you go in 2017. Uh, there was a 6-2 loss versus RSL. 2018, 6-2 loss at RSL. Uh, 2020 now, you had the 6-2 loss to LAFC earlier in the season, and you had a 6-3 loss versus Portland. Um, so those are the entirety of the six the times the LA Galaxy have allowed six goals to an opponent. Um, and so what that tells me is that even in the shootout era, even when things were going crazy and there weren't that many teams, the LA Galaxy didn't have six hung on them very often. And throughout the Bruce Arena years, uh, when the LA Galaxy went to multiple MLS Cups, won a couple supporter shields, uh, they didn't have six goals hung up on them. Uh, four out of the five uh, games where the LA Galaxy have given up six, or given up six goals um, have all come in the last four years. If that tells you where the LA Galaxy that's, are at right now, is that does that put everything into perspective a little bit? To, to me, that's it's one of those where stats confirm what you're thinking. Uh, when you given up until the first, you know, the entire history up to the, you know, for what is it? With first 19 years, five times that it happened, and then in the last four years, it's happened four times. That tells you exactly where this club's been in the last four years. I mean, so it, it's a perfect set to kind of highlight how things have been going and where things are right now. I know there's that that Twitter, Twitter trend right now, uh, how things started and how's it going. So, you know, things started great, and then how's it going right now? It's it's not it's not pretty right now uh, in L.A. No. Galaxy land. No, and by the way, also a franchise record, the first time that the L.A. Galaxy have allowed uh, for six goals to be scored twice in the same season. So that's a new record in, in futility, which is funny, though, um, because I was, yeah, I was going to say I was talking and we're going to break down this game, but uh, you know, we have to, I think we have to place set this enough, at least to talk a little bit about the end. So we can go back in and, and talk about everything that happened to get us to this point. Um, I have a, I have a group chat. I have a group chat with, with Eric and, and one of my other friends. Um, and we, we keep that going, but then I have another group chat and I call it the more refined LA galaxy chat. Um, and wow. I have, uh, yeah, I know. Right. Well, I knew where yeah, you were going. I mean, I mean, our our group chat is Diamond Dogs, obviously, um, yeah. for Ted Lasso. But this this one I call the call the yeah yeah oh okay um I call it the more refined LA Galaxy chat, and um I have all some some lovely ladies that are LA Galaxy fans who I who I talk to about the LA Galaxy, and so uh, Sophie is on that. Um, my good friend Sophie and, and co-host Sophie uh, the Cannon, she's on that, and she said, you know, is this is this year worse? I think it was uh, Sarah actually asked, um, was is this year worse than 2017? Right. And I said, no, not even close. And I, I can't get there. I cannot people. They, hey, they made good arguments and I'm not going to say they didn't. And I said, I said, if you look at the talent in 2017 and what they tried to do with basically no players, I call that a USL plus team. Um, and looking back on that, it's a <laughs> lot easier to look at that team and be like, holy crap, it was bad. Um, yeah, you know, they're. they're I was going to say, I think that's that's probably why why they're making their case or making their argument. You know, I wish I could be a part of this chat, but since I'm not, I'll share my thoughts here live on air. Um, I, I think with 2017, you knew in the back of your head that that was a USL Plus team with Anolfo taking over and with the players that they were brought in. So expectations were low, and then when things hit the fan, you're, you know, you kind of threw your hands up and said, well, what, what did we expect to happen? Uh, this year, I think it was, you know, going back to Diamond Dogs and Ted Lasso, it, it's the hope that kills you. You know, yep, things that's what I said thought, too. You, you looked at this roster and you you say, okay, things are going to get together. They're, Chicharito is not Zlatan, but he's going to be able to put in goals. Jonathan Dos Santos had, uh, you know, probably his best season for the club last year. He's going to build on that, um, you know. Someone like Araujo, who was getting a few minutes, you know, I think he maybe came out of, out of nowhere. Maybe you couldn't bank on that. But, you know, there's there's always those one or two kind of breakout seasons. You think, OK, this is this. They're going to they're going to start clicking and putting things together. And then when they fall apart in spectacular fashion like they have been, that's almost more disappointing than when you go in with your head thinking this is going to be a bad season. And then it ends up being a bad season. You can rationalize it. But when you think it's going to be a good season and it ends up being a bad season, I could see that argument on how 2020 might be more disappointing of a season. But as far as teams head to head, I think 2020 is the better team. But as far as like a disappointing season on, on, on the whole, I think I think you could you could make an argument that 2020 is a more disappointing season because because of the letdown. 
would this tw- see that? I, and, and here's where I can't. And I that that was the argument they made, by the way. It was it was similar, right? Which is, hey, you, there's so much talent see, on this team. How, you, I don't know. You have to you have to talk with your <laughs> pinky up. I'm not sure you could do that. Um, I, I think my problem here is that I look at this. In 2017, you went to the stadium and you knew the Galaxy were probably going to lose, right? I mean, we got to a certain point during that year, and you're like. They're going to lose. Uh, when Siggy came on and replaced Anolfo there during that one game against Seattle, there was renewed hope and everything. And you were sort of like, oh, okay, maybe. But then after that, you're like, no, 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 it's it's going to be, it's bad. It's not good, right? So in 2017, you knew that team was going to lose. You have no idea what this 2020 team is going to do. Uh, you may think that they're going to lose. And you may have this idea in your head. That you're like, they could lose. But you also know that it's the same team that went on a four-game winning streak and really did play, they played okay during that. We, when you go back and look at the stats, and we were talking about it while it was happening, they they yeah. got they got lucky with the expected goals and everything else um, in it. And I think now you've seen that they are getting, in this game, they got unlucky. I mean, I'll say it, they did. They got unlucky. They also deserved to lose 6-3, to three, by the way. So, I mean, you know, it's one of those things where both, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going to be too yeah, upset about their unlucky. Yeah, both of those things can be true. You can say... You know, they had they had some tough luck, but you could also say that, you know, they didn't do anything. Uh, you know, you sometimes you make your own luck. So they didn't do anything to, to make their own luck or make things any easier on themselves either. So both both of those things are true. Was that a Titanic reference? I make my own luck. Did you? Is that just me? I'm, I'm the only Leo you know and Kate fan. I'm, I was going to say, I'm not I'm not I'm not I'm not that hardcore with Titanic. So I probably haven't watched see- it since the double since the double VHS. Yeah, you you didn't you didn't go watch it three times in the theater whenever it came out. That wasn't no. you. That was that was just me. Okay, <laughs> that was not just me. Checking. Okay, that was fine. That's fine. It's it's a long movie. I enjoy it. Uh, the boat sinks every time. FYI, I didn't mean to be spoiler alert, but yeah, um, that yeah, was. Yeah, I was there. gonna say um, thanks a lot. Yeah, could could this? And I will ask it because because Irvin in the chat asked it. Could the 2017 team beat the 2020 team? Whenever you look at it, I mean, on a regular day. On a cold day and what is it? On a cold day in, uh, <laughs> in Stoke, in on a rainy night in Stoke. Yeah, on a, on a rainy night in Stoke, <laughs> can, can can the twenty seventeen beat the the twenty twenty team? Yeah, I, I think it's you know if you put if you put it in a simulation, a FIFA simulation, I think there's there's a situation where you know Alessandrini you know bags a couple and and you end up that that team ends up winning. But I think if if it's going to be you know two times out of ten that that twenty seventeen team wins it. Really? So I, I, I think so. You think more? You're, uh, no, I don't know. I don't know. RC is <laughs> our, RC in the chat room 20%? Is, 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 is accusing us of having uh, some recency bias or some hindsight bias, right? In this, right? And that 2017 really wasn't as bad because the Unawful had posted one of the best away winning streaks in years. That 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 team could win on the road. This LA Galaxy team Oops. was winning on the road. They're streaky. This team is streaky, just like. 18 was streaky. Um, all of these things are streaky, and a streaky team is not a good team. That's an inconsistent team, and that's what you're seeing right now. So let's get to this lineup. Um, you got uh, this was this was an interesting one because you had Chicharito uh, not playing in this game. You have Jonathan Dos Santos not playing in this game. You had Rolf Felcher not playing in this game. We knew about Jonathan Dos Santos. We knew about Rolf Felcher. Uh, Chicharito was a late scratch. His wife Sarah, by the way, um, welcomed a baby girl Nala on Monday, uh, and we don't know what time Monday. I imagine that it was probably pretty late in the evening. That's just a guess on my part, just because of the timing of different things. Um, but uh, that's great. I, congratulations to them. I know that she was sort of past due and waiting for that baby to come. So uh, he has a little boy, Noah, and a little girl named Nala, um, which I hope is a Lion King reference. I'm, I'm really I'm really hoping there's some Lion King in there. How, um, it just it, how can it not be? Yeah, <laughs> right. I mean, like, yeah, you, I don't know. A, maybe it's a family. There's not maybe tons a family of Nala's. I don't know. Maybe yeah. it, maybe there are in Australia. I don't I don't know these things. Um, but anyway, so so he did this. Uh, number one, I don't want to hear the complaining about him missing a game because of the birth of his daughter. It, it matters not to me. It should matter not to you. His daughter is going to be alive for a very long time. He got to witness it. He got to be there for the first couple of days. Good. Perfect. Wonderful. Um, that's fine. And him not playing in this game is fine, too. I, I imagine that he will play on Saturday in Colorado. Um, in fact, I think that there's probably zero reason why that won't happen. So 
Uh, having said all that, we'll put that to the side. Joe Corona didn't dress for this game, Eric. Uh, lower leg injury for Joe Corona. Uh, it's The LA Galaxy are sort of classifying it as nothing serious, but we do not know his status for the game on Saturday. So you had Sasha Kleshin, who started in place of Joe Corona, in there with JDS out. All of a sudden, the center of the midfield got real thin, like just with you know two absences. What do you know? You go fourth yeah. into the depth chart, and all of a sudden, you get thin there. Who, who, who would have thought it? Um, so you had that. So the starting lineup ended up being Ethan Zubak up top. You had Pavone, um, Alvarez, and Legette. And don't be surprised by the Galaxy's graphic they put out. Alvarez was playing in the middle. Sebastian Legette was, and at this point in quotation marks, playing on the right. Um, you had Kitchen and Kluschen playing sort of the defensive mid uh, roles, but Kluschen was more of a center mid than a defensive mid. Uh, and then you had Araujo, Steras, Depew, and Sua, and Bingham. So those were your that was your starting lineup for the LA Galaxy. Now let's let's get into this game. Um, who do you want to start with? Because I kind of want to go through all of these guys. So do you want to start with some let's, of these? Let's start from the top players? and and work our way down because I think. You know, the, the issues were more defensive. So I think if you let's start, let's start at the forwards and work our way down. Zubak, Ethan Zubak, all right, comes into this game having uh, not played in a little while. Uh, he comes in having a little more hope sort of lifted and hoisted on his shoulders uh, because of the fact that whenever he played, the LA Galaxy have won in the past. Um, he plays more of a number nine. He's more of a stand-up target striker. Uh, he ends up scoring a goal in this. Let's let's preface all of this by saying Ethan Zubak scored a goal, which is something the LA Galaxy have been lacking uh, during the five-game losing streak. They've been outscored five to fifteen. So, having said that, the goals that they scored were good. Um, that being said, for me, Ethan Zubak was a wall that you find at a a community park that you whack tennis balls off of and they come back to you because that's basically what he was used for. A little hold-up play, a little bit of play off of him, but there was nothing else in that game. His goal is great. It's a set piece. Um, that's where that comes from uh, more than anything. So so for me, yeah, great. I'm glad Zubak was in there. And this, by the way, there's a huge argument right now that the Galaxy play quicker with Ethan Zubak on the field than they do with Chicharito. So... Yeah, but the the only thing with that argument is that, that obviously the way he he runs around the field, Zubac brings a little bit more speed than Chicharito does. But I think what where Zubac can be successful is being a little bit of that that playing in a pest role where he's going and chasing down balls, kind of what Antuna did when he when he was on the team last year, just chasing down, kind of wreaking havoc, waiting for the defense to make mistakes. I think that's where Zubac can be useful, but unfortunately, that's not how he's. Uh, being utilized, and I don't think that's how he's playing. To me, I don't think he was involved enough in the game uh, to say it, but then that could, that could go right into your argument that he didn't have a good game because he wasn't involved. Like you said, he, you know, limited touches, didn't really you know make runs that were were dangerous or, or make asking questions of the Portland defense. So so I, I see what you're saying that he didn't have a great game, but at the same time, I don't know that he was involved enough to say, uh, you know, he he was a problem yesterday. But at the same time. <laughs> You know, you need a forward who's going to cause a problem and, and, and you need a, your forward to be involved in the game. I think that to me is the most frustrating thing is, uh, you know, Yanni came in towards the end. It felt like it felt like the Galaxy weren't playing with forwards. It felt like they, they, right. they play with with all midfielders and they don't have an attacking option. It's it's almost like they're playing without a forward, not even like a false nine where it's someone who who dips in there. This is they're just straight up feels like they're not playing with a forward. And I think that's well, the I mean, most frustrating thing. And let's, by the way, let's let's transpose that over to whenever Chicharito's playing as well, right? You can say the same thing whenever yeah. Chicharito. Do you feel like Absolutely. the Galaxy are playing with a forward? No. Here, let's it's let's the same shift thing. Limited that. involvement. Yeah, let's shift over to the formation because let's talk about a guy who played more forward than the forward, which was Sebastian Legette. Sebastian Legette lined up on the right hand side of this formation. He was supposed to be a right winger. I would love to show some. I so nobody has showed it to me. I would love to see a heat map of where he was. Uh, because I guarantee you it's going to show that he was in the center of the field and that for a large portion of this game, he was playing above Zubak. Um, and maybe that's the style that GBS wants to go with. And he, by the way, he did it with Chicharito too. Um, this is yeah, the thing. He I, starts on that right hand wing and he comes in and he goes above the forward. That That's, <laughs> I'm going to argue against myself, which uh, I've been known to do, is that if you're not playing with a second forward, 
then that is kind of your your cam's job or, or the wingers need to pick their moments where they're going to fill in that role as kind of the second forward and help help out. And I think that's what Legit has been doing. You and I have had this conversation on the, the unrefined text that I think yes. uh, Legit wants to play the cam so bad that even when he plays on the wing, he ends up playing the cam or wanting to play the cam. So I think, uh, I don't know if that's a discipline thing or a game plan thing, uh, but he doesn't seem, even when he's out on the wing, he doesn't really play that winger role. Correct. And and there was no right wing for the majority of this game. There was no right wing. Now let's talk about the guy who's supposed to be playing the camera, the central attacking midfielder. Efrain Alvarez comes into this game. Uh, he gets a start, obviously, with Jonathan Del Santos out, with swinging Legette wide and, and placing Alvarez into the center. Um, that is his role. That is where he is supposed to be good. Um, and I will say that for most of this year, I've been disappointed with his play. I will call him... People said, well, you know, he's out of shape. I don't think he's out of shape. The way that I see him right now, he looks like he's in shape. He looks like he is physically fit. He looks like he can play the majority of the games. Uh, what I see from him is what I call, like to, somebody said, you know, maybe he's just too slow. And it's not that he's slow. He's, he's smooth slow, right? He's smooth slow. So yeah. the smoothness of how he moves makes him look slower than he actually is. But at the same time, he's not fast. Yeah. I think what a good way to describe that would be he's measured. He's measured in his movements because I think uh, he's shown that he has the ability to, you know, take a great touch or to send a great assist or, or send a great pass. But he's he, when he, the pressure is on him, that's where he makes those mistakes. And so the second you put pressure on him, that's where he, he folds a little bit. But if he has ample space, he could be measured and take his time and really send a beautiful ball, uh, you know, whip a cross in or, or send a long ball. He's shown that he can do that and he has skill in doing that. And because he's not quick, uh, that's why when he plays on the wings, it doesn't work. So you're right. This is where he should be most successful is distributing and making it. But I, I think he's just, like you said, he, it's not that he's physically slow. It's just he's slow in his movements. Uh, he He's measured. And if he doesn't have the time, uh, which, you know, which team is gonna, that you play against is not going to try to press you and, and not give right. you space. So that's, that's anywhere you go. So if he does, if that, you know, it's taken away from him, then that's a, that's a problem. Uh, I, I, th- I didn't think he had a horrible game. He had moments where, to me, he was aggressive. I, I think this is something that's been missing. Uh, I mentioned it. He's, he always, he gives that extra pass when maybe he should have shot. And this game, I think he was taking the shot, being a little bit more aggressive, trying to get involved in the offense more. And I, I liked that part of it. I, I enjoyed what I saw from him there. Uh, it, it wasn't, you know, a stellar performance, but to me, I saw a little bit more than maybe I've seen wh- what he brought on the wing. This is his be- a better spot for him than when he plays on the wing. Yeah, it's his better spot. It's still there's you can call it aggressive. I can say that he dribbled into coverage multiple times. Uh, his shots had very little sort of venom on him. It didn't look like he was seeing the field. The and yeah, that's I, you know, you know who else can take shots? Rolf Felcher can take shots. Anybody can take <laughs> shots. You have to be good quality. And especially for somebody yeah. who's supposed to be in that central attacking midfield place is find an opening, find a space and then exploit that space. He's incapable of exploiting space right now. He can do it with a pass. But that's few and far between. I, I think think people romanticize his passing ability and his soccer IQ. I think he's a smart player. I think he's a very smart player when he has time. In the USL, he has time. In Major League Soccer, he has no time. And you're seeing that. And my biggest knock on him is that physicality-wise, he can't handle it. And he doesn't play defense. So if anybody puts a body on him, he either runs away from that challenge, moves away from that challenge, or sort of, or, or just sort of melts into the background. And that's what I saw from him more than anything. And to add to that point, to kind of put a bow on it, where he's been a highly touted prospect is at the youth national team level, playing against other 16-year-olds, other 18-year-olds, other under 20-year-olds. And that's where he's had success and has looked great because he's you know, playing against a different uh, you know, level of competition when he's playing against grown men, it's, it's, it's a little bit different. And so that's, you always go with caution with these standouts in the youth national team level. Uh, because sometimes, you know, when you, you, the game speed changes when you're playing at the pro level, it's, it's a little harder to adapt. I I don't think, uh, you know, romanticizing pass. He, there's a highlight reel of him making great passes. It's just, you know, it doesn't happen with consistency. It's not an MLS. That's and that's that's the thing. I, I mean, the, the big deal is and this is unfair. He's going to be compared to Julian Araujo. Julian Araujo is, I think, almost a year older. They're not quite a year older. I think for a little while they're the same age. But Julian Araujo and it's night and day 
between the work rates, between the skill level, between the maturity that you're seeing on the field. I mean, they're not even close. And again, maybe that's not fair. Maybe you shouldn't compare the two, but they're going to be compared. I'll compare them. And right now, that that's night and day. Well, th- that's part of why I made that comment as well is because I, I didn't want to mention it now because I'm sure we'll get to Araujo. But when Araujo plays, he plays like a grown man. <laughs> you know, he, yeah. he's, he's ready to play. Yes. Uh, you know, at, at a pro level with, with other adults. And so you see that difference there. Uh, let's go to Christian Pavone. Uh, Christian Pavone is a wonderful player. Christian Pavone is a frustrated player for the LA Galaxy right now. Christian Pavone is too good for this LA Galaxy team. He's probably too good for every MLS team. Uh, he probably isn't going to be able to stay with the Galaxy because his price is too high. He won't go back to Boca. He'll probably go to Europe. All of that stuff is probably what's going to happen with this. Um, I saw frustration from Pavone. I saw some ability. He has the tendency to do the same move over and over again, and it drives me crazy. It's like, you know, we all know what he's going to do when he receives the ball, Eric, is that he's going to cut inside. And if he cuts inside and it gets clipped fast, he's going to look for the overlap from Mansua on the left-hand side, and then the play's going to die, and everybody runs backwards, and, you know, there's defense being played. Um for me, Pavone is more dangerous when he's a little bit unpredictable. You can go to the right foot every time. He's right-footed. He, you can go to the right foot every time, cut in, and try to score. You could do that. But you can see teams, they just step up to him on the edge of the box, right? They pop out. You'll see one guy pop out. Then the next guy pops out. So you've got two, three, four defenders on him sometimes. He doesn't always find that pass whenever he's, he's trying to uh, look for that shot. And for me, it's too predictable. Now, he ends up scoring on one of the, it was bad defense. Everybody knew could see it was coming and you're like, up oh, here it comes, which is great. Cause you want to get him back on the, um, if you want, you want to get him back on, uh, that, that scoring streak and feeling that confidence. But that goal came out of frustration more than it came out of, you know, skill for me. It was like, I'm going to keep going inside. I'm going to keep getting this on my right foot until I get a goal and I'm just going to keep doing it. And it's like, go down the line, you know, chase down the well, line, go down the line four or five times in a row, so, scare people. Well, that, that's that's the old adage of broken clocks, right? Two times a day, you know, he, that's his signature move. I made the joke yesterday. It's like, uh, you know, when you have Mortal Kombat, you know what the finishing move is. You know, you hit your left, right, left, right kick and, you know, you do your special move. That, that's his special move. He goes down the line, cuts inside and then takes a shot. And if he tries it enough times, eventually he's going to score. And I think that's that's what you saw is he kept trying it. And eventually one of them, you know, squeezed through. It wasn't the one his shots have been a little bit off. He's, he's been sending a lot of them into the stands trying to go, you know, top bins. But but I think this one, because he went low, that that was right. where he caught he caught the team off guard. Uh, you mentioned his his play with Insua. That's something that stands out with me. It seems like they have a good rapport that they know when to overlap and connect with each other. The only frustrating part is he'll send Insua on the overlap, and then Insua whips the cross in to absolutely nobody. So they right. they have that rapport and that they run the same. It's like they're running the same offense. They have the same play uh, that they're moving, but it doesn't seem like the rest of the team. Uh, is aligned with the play that they're running. So same thing with Pavone. Like you said, you know he's going to cut inside. One time fake like you're going to cut inside and then go the other way and then put it across. Uh, but but we've seen him do that as well uh, at the MLS's back tournament and then no one was there to put it away or people were slow to get to it. So he has done it, uh, but I think that's why he's not doing it now. He's, he's seen it's not working, so I need to do it myself. He's, he's taking a little bit too much on his own. Yep, by the way, a commercial underground pointed out in the chat that says Pavone's goal came from a pass from Efrain Alvarez that was almost intercepted. And I think that Alvarez actually has um, this preference to feed Pavone all the time, and I think he forces it way too much. You, you, that's, that's my opinion. People can, can disagree, and obviously chat room is, is certainly talking about Efrain Alvarez. But for me, Pavone makes that goal. It's a good pass. It's not great. It almost got intercepted. It actually got tipped. Um, as it was headed towards Pavone. Um, but having said all that, it, it's a goal. And it's a goal, you know, when things are already sideways, but it's a goal for Pavone. He leads the team in goals. That's all good. Um, let's go to Kitchen and Kleshin because these are important ones. Kleshin gets the start because Joe Corona is out with an injury. Uh, Kleshin gets the start because Jonathan Dos Santos is away on international duty. Uh, Kitchen starts because that's really his position. So you're you're seeing a starter next to a guy who isn't. Kleshin is older now. We know this. Uh, Kleshin's not as fast. Kleshin knows that his role is to be a leader on this team. Uh, he talked about it after the game. Uh, so putting him in there, you knew that there was going to be slow. Um, and he's slow. It, he still has some quality. He can still find it. But there was rust in that. There was there was unfortunately that's... and and 
And and Sasha, I just I don't want to be mean. Sasha, I think is a great guy, and I think he understands this, but. He's not the player he was even three years ago or two years ago. It's, you know, father time is catching up to him, and, and you're seeing the limited minutes of, of Sasha Kleshin coming through here. He wasn't good. Um, the midfield wasn't yeah. good. Perry Kitchen wasn't good. And I think because those two were not connected, and then they were not connected with the midfield in front of them with Legette and Pavone and Alvarez, but they also weren't connected with the defense behind them because there was this disconnect across the entire formation. You saw a lot of pressure being put through the center of the field into that center back area um, and and where we saw a lot of the goals and a lot of the mistakes that were made. That was that was what I saw. What did you think of of question? Yeah, uh, when I when I looked it up, um, I said, you know, Kleshman hasn't started in a while, and he actually hadn't started a game since the last time they, since the first time they played Portland at the MLS's back tournament. So that's how long it's been since he started a game. And when he's come in off the bench, it's been very limited minutes. And you mentioned it, and that's exactly the word I was going to use is rust. You saw rust. This is a player who who just the passes weren't connecting. He wasn't able to hold possession. Uh, when you talk about chemistry, Perry Kitchen, who's been starting with the team, he didn't have that rapport with his center backs or with Perry Kitchen. So it didn't seem like they were on the same page or, or positioning wise that they, you know, they were covering for each other in the right spot. So he just, he just looked a, a little bit out of place. And the hard part, again, maybe we, we need to not be on the same text because we're having the same thoughts. The hard thing is he's so great on the microphone. He's a good leader, a good role model. You see, he says all the right things. So you, you don't want to, you know, slam the guy or be too much. Cause you just see, okay, this guy, he gets it. He, he knows it. But when you look at strictly the on-field play, he didn't have it yesterday and you know, a bit slow passes weren't connecting. Uh, it's just unfortunate. He doesn't seem to have that, uh, you know, that starting, uh, starting caliber ability. Maybe he, he can be useful off the bench or to pick s- spots, but uh, I don't think he's, he's going to be a reliable starter moving forward. Yeah, and for me, you know, if you talk about Joe Corona, I'm not a huge fan of Corona's game, but you get a quiet, consistent game from Joe Corona. Bruce Arena always used to say, you know, you know what you're getting. That's a Bruce Arena right there. Bruce Arena knew what he was going to get from everybody. It may not have been the best player, but he knew that that player was a consistent player. And consistency is something that Alvarez has to learn, is something that Araujo has to learn as young players. And it's stuff we've seen from, you know, many of the players on here. I think Sebastian Legette suffers from consistency wildly, and it's why he's a frustrating player to watch. Um, you know, as much as I sort of talked about Legette going up above and, and doing things, um, the dominoes that happen whenever Legette goes into and plays that that top forward or, or even the second striker is that Perry Kitchen has to slide into that right wing role um, in order to cover on defense. Araujo is usually into the attack, so he's up there. So now you have Perry Kitchen playing a right-back role more than anything. So the counterattacks coming back on that side or back on the suicide, the shifts that happen throughout that that midfield is that Alvarez doesn't come back and play defense. Pavone doesn't really play that much defense, especially after they've made a run forward, right? So you're not getting that track back. So look at the outnumbered place. I mean, Zubak was coming back and playing defense in the center of the field at some point storing this. That's that's not then, a good look. And then you have Kleshin kind of, you know, with, with Kitchen covering, you have him and that's, you know, defensive stopper role and he's you know, chasing def- defenders and or midfielders, and they're they're running around, they're running right by Kleshin. You know, he, he's you right. know, almost being a traffic cone out there. They're, they're they're he's easy to get by when he doesn't have that support from Kitchen because pitch, Kitchen's covering elsewhere. So yeah, it, it was a recipe for disaster in the middle there. Yeah, and that's and then you see all the room that sort of comes in behind, and you're able to find you know the room that that Portland was able to exploit. And Portland's a good team, so let's let's put that out there. Portland's a good team. Uh, they were ridiculously efficient in this game. Expected goals was basically, and I'm rounding up in both of these cases, was basically LA Galaxy to score two on the expected goals and Portland to score three. Portland scored six. Okay, we can talk about some of the reasons why that happened. Araujo had an okay game. He scored a goal. I was fine with him. I thought he was he was good. Um, It's exactly what I expect from him. And he didn't get a yellow card. Um, So, yeah, that's a big fine. Yeah, I'm fine with him. So uh, and Sua on the other side. Fine. I don't I don't hate him as much as other people seem to hate him. I think he's yeah, I know what I'm going to get from him. So I'm okay with that. Yeah, I was again, we're saying the same thing. I need to like just go wild and disagree with you just for the sake of of disagreeing with you. I'm I'm not seeing the hate that Insua gets. I don't get it because you know what you know what you're getting. He's going to go down the wing. He's going to make a tackle every once in a while. He'll get 
beaten uh, on a run or two, but you know, he's going to whip in crosses and that that's all he's going to do. <laughs> Unfortunately, there's no one there at the end of those crosses. So that's what makes it frustrating uh, because you know, you don't have that connection with him. but I, I don't think he's a liability. You know, there, there are moments right. where uh, he could probably do better, but I, I don't, I don't see him being a, a, a weak link and being the major issue where it all goes wrong is because Insua is, is holding this team back from being successful or having a, a successful back line. Let's go to the triangle now in the back. You have Daniel Starez, uh, Nick DePew, and David Bingham. Um, Starez had a bad game, uh, absolutely bad. He's been one of the more consistent defenders. DePew has been one of the more consistent defenders. Um, you look at both of them, they both had horror, horror, horrible, horrible games. They're bad. Um, Starez got yeah. beat with speed. Um, DePew was marking space instead of guys. Uh, you can see that, um, you know, I think on two or three of the goals, it's just a complete breakdown of defensive form. Uh, they don't know whether to go and chase or whether to stay back and they get caught in middle land. It's just, it's inconsistency. And Stare said after this, and I, I went back and watched and I kind of agree is that, you know, the defending is good up to a certain point and then it all breaks down very quickly. And whenever it breaks down, you see guys shifting over and everything else that is happening. Um, so, you know, Stare had a horrible game. Depew had a horrible game. Bingham for me, there's I I think I can only blame him on one goal. I'm sure somebody will be like, no, you can blame him for all six. Um, I can't. Yeah. Uh, and it's the set piece for me. And I, I think you and I disagree on this. But the set piece is yeah. that uh, you had Valeria and, and Abubuse sit sort of sitting up there, and everybody thought Valeria was probably going to take it over the wall, and it was Abubuse who hit it to the strong side. Um, basically, I guess that's the weak side. Is that the weak side? Because you have the wall covering the strong side. It's the strong the side covering. Larry takes it. Yeah, it's it's the strong Just side. Just don't fool me again. Larry takes it. Yeah, it's it's the it's the strong side if Larry takes it, but it's the weak side if it's a, a Bobasi. Um, so a Bobasi hits it at Bingham. It's a rocket. I'll give you that. It's 19 yards away. Professional goalkeeper, 19 yards away. I don't care how hard you hit that ball, you should get something on it. Uh, unless it did something that I didn't see, like if it swerved magically, which I didn't see it not spinning. So I don't think it did anything crazy. Uh, Bingham has to set that up. He's setting that up to be able to have a clear view of that ball. Right. And he sets the wall to the majority side of that net. And you say, beat me over the wall. That's that's the idea there. And so you're supposed to cover the one part of the goal where you're like, go ahead, try to be. I don't know if he didn't see it. I don't know what happened. But that to me is the mistake. The Valeri goal um, that he chips. Uh, people were like, well, that's just bad positioning for, for Bingham. I'm like, where, where would you like him to stand exactly? The guy is running away from you, right? He's, he's, he's cheated towards the near post, as he should be with somebody who's moving across to the Trying left. Trying to cut off the angle. He's, which, by the way, there should have been no shot from there. Diego Valeri's a little bit of a magician. I hate the guy, but you love the guy, and he's great. That's a great goal. That's a gr I don't care who scores that goal. It's a great goal. Um, so I have no problems with that. The rest of them are just really poor, bad defensive breakdowns. Um, that I don't think Bingham had much to do, but Bingham needs to stop that. And if he stops that, and it was a BS handball call, by the way, um, if he stops that, um, uh, then, you know, the galaxy are still in that game. It's not two nothing at the time. You know, it's still, it's still one nothing and the galaxy can then eventually score. And maybe it's one, one. Yeah. The, 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 the reason I disagree with you is because that where that ball was located just inside the arc there, just outside the box, uh, he, Obobese hit it really hard. And I just think, you know, you can stand in there. I can stand there. We can know exactly where it's going to go. And when that thing comes flying in, uh, it, you know, it, it's, it's really hard to stop, even if he's positioned correctly, where I think his mistake was on that goal is he, he probably assumed Valeri was going to take it. He was, he thought maybe Obobese was the dummy. So he was maybe preparing mentally to, you know, go wall side. And then when Obobese hit it, it just happened so fast and he didn't react quick enough because it was hit so hard. So I didn't blame him as much on that free kick goal, but the, the chip from Valeri, uh, like you said, with, with Depew and with, with stairs finding themselves in no man's land. That's where, you know, I felt like being, it was a little bit there. He didn't before we didn't move backward. He was just kind of waiting and, and the same thing with the defenders. And I like that we grouped them together as the triangle, because I think all, the three of them are equally at fault for having those poor games. Uh, the, the thing that I mentioned is it was way too easy for Portland to score. You need to put bodies on them. You need to, to tackle, you need to do something, get a, you know, get a penalty call for, for tackling and crashing in, do, do, do a raw felcher and, and run into somebody, but just to, to, 
away and move out of the way and give them those easy shots. It was too easy. And so, you know, Bingham's got to do better. He's got to stop one of those. You know, he had one save on the night. Uh, Depew and, and Stairs, they've got to make a tackle. they got to block a shot. they got to get in front of something. It, it was just way too easy uh, for Portland to score. And I think that that's why you, you chalk this up. All three of them collectively had a, had a really poor game. Galaxy had zero block shots the entire night, by the way. Yeah. I would like to point that out. Uh, Galaxy also wildly outshot um, the Portland Timbers uh, whenever you look at the stats. Um, so, you know, and then we're outpossessed. I can't get my head around, or at least I can't be happy with a home team that constantly gets outpossessed. Um, you don't, you don't just, watch enough Jose Mourinho. That, that the, you can give, you can be out possessed if you're if that's the game plan and that's how you're built. It just this Galaxy team isn't built that way. I think I think there's there's a there's a way to win with being out possessed if your defenders are on, if you're blocking shots, if you're able to you know have have a decent backline, and then you spring Pavone, you spring uh, a Yanni or or Chicharito, and you put them in the right position. You can get the counterattack and you can be successful without having possession. It's just the galaxy aren't built, aren't built to be outpossessed, and they're they're playing, they're playing the style to be outpossessed, but they just don't have the horses uh, to win playing that style. Here's here's let's go over some of these stats just because I, I think that they they just tell this weird story, and I'm not sure what the story means, so I'll just I'll just spew them out, and we'll see if we can make any sense. Galaxy had five corners to Portland's one. Uh, galaxy missed two chances. Portland missed zero, probably because they converted all on all of them. Um, <laughs> 50 duels won for the LA Galaxy to 47 for Portland. That's pretty even. Tackles won 10 to 9 for the LA Galaxy. Saves, 1 and 1. Uh, clearances, uh, 6 for the LA Galaxy, 20 from Portland, which would mean that the LA Galaxy, you would think, um, you know, we're putting more pressure it's on those, 6 to 20. It's those Insua crosses, just whipping those yeah. Insua crosses, and that counts as a clearance. <laughs> that happened that, a lot. It does. It, it absolutely does. Um, let's see. What are some of the other things that we can sort of uh, go to? We have, uh, you know, shots on target was five to seven. Uh, the Galaxy got outshot on target. Uh, we talked about off target. Uh, crosses, 30 for the LA Galaxy, eight for Portland. Uh, that's That goes back to uh, to the bad times for the LA Galaxy whenever you look at it. And again, uh, back in the in Sua times, uh, 16 to 10 for the LA Galaxy in terms of fouls. Galaxy fouled more. Three yellow cards, two two yellow cards. Uh, let's see, 420 total passes, 510 total passes for Portland on the road. Uh, 83% passing accuracy for both of them. Galaxy get outpossessed, basically 54 to 46 in this. Um, and I don't know, it feels Which, like if you read the stats, if you read the stats, Eric, it feels closer. Um, yeah, that game wasn't close, though. But that's where my argument, and this is where I'm gonna, this is where I'm gonna wildly disagree with you. This is this is my no. moment to shine here. Is I think the Galaxy played better against Portland than they did against San Jose and they did against Colorado. They there were things that were working on offense. There were moments and flashes. Obviously for the full ninety and defensively it was horrible. But there were moments in there where you saw positives and you saw things work. And so I think. You saw a little bit. You saw a better perform. You know, you saw better moments in this game. Uh, in San Jose, they were outpossessed more than they were against Portland, and, and they still had you know that game essentially taken away from. Them. They should they should have beat San Jose uh, with, with how they were playing. And the same thing with with Colorado. They they played right into Colorado's hands uh, with, with their strategy. So I think. I think you saw moments in this game that were better. You scored three goals. You hit, you had moments where where things looked okay, and and you had uh, set plays that worked. It just everything on the defensive side didn't work. But but I'd make the argument that the Galaxy played better in this game than they did against San Jose and Colorado. One of your thirty-seven dogs is barking again. I would just like to point out. Is that one? Oh, can I, you I, hear that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I of that course. Okay, I can hear it. I mean, I can hear. It. I, yeah. I, I don't know if everybody else. Um, I'll, I'll say this again. We talk about being unlucky. The handball on Nick Depew. I know why they're calling it a handball, but it's just such a horror. That's twice in two games that he's been victimized by things that he couldn't do anything about. Um, I was talking to another reporter and uh, I was emailing another reporter who was at the game and we were talking. And he goes, well, what makes you why, why can't you just chip the ball into people's hands all the time? Like this is this is getting ridiculous. Yes and no, and if that was really the rule, then you can chip people in the hands all the time and get handballs. And uh, FIFA has this problem across every league right now of trying to to educate these. But there's no way that 
that Nick DePew is making himself bigger in either of those two last games. His hand is in an actual natural playing position. I think we need to go back to that, which is there has to be some intent to make yourself bigger. Bigger. His hand can't go anywhere. Um, those, yeah. uh, you know, your arms are allowed to be at your side. By the way, whenever you jump, your arms are allowed to be like up in the air, out to your sides. That's how you jump. Like there's ways. That, you know, I'm a white guy. I can't get off the ground. I need all the momentum I possibly can to, to pull up, pull this uh, frame off the ground. So. Um, all those things. I think there was a handball on Diego Valeri that they missed as well mm-hmm. in the box. That yes, could have been a penalty kick. The, and that was a frustrating one because the referee didn't seem to have any interest in in reviewing it. You know, the, he held the the hand to the earpiece for a long time, um, but but it just seemed like he he was being a little bit defiant, which was frustrating. Uh, you know, I, I don't think the referee is to blame, but it just seemed like you know with everything going on in that game, you think you know it was worth a second look. Uh, on that Valeri handball, uh, going back to the Depew handball, I think that's it's going to need to be a, a rule change, and that's it's the way the rule is written and kind of uh, unable to get out of it. You mentioned it. There are two things: it's the hand, the arm or hand in the natural position. That's one piece of it. So you couldn't do it. And then the second one is making your body bigger. So I think your arm can be in a natural position, but if you're making your body bigger, then I think it's fair to call that a handball. But you know, if if your arm is in a natural position, you're not making yourself bigger. You're turning. Yeah, that is unlucky, and I think it's going to, like what happened when when VAR got instated and they needed to look at, because they were off by a fraction with the eagle eye technology, they needed to rewrite the rule to give a little more leeway. I think they're, they're seeing this happen in leagues around the world where they're probably around the world where they're probably going to need to rewrite or, or revisit how that hand, handball rule is called because you can't just say if it hits your hand, it's an automatic handball. There, there's There's got to be a little, you know, it's got to be situational. That's unfair. That's unfair. I mean, yeah. that's whenever you get in. If it hits your hand, it's unfair. Well, it's like, it, like you know, said, it bounces you, off somebody. Yeah. Could you, could you, you get out of your, the way? Chip, yeah. yeah. Um, one of the things uh, uh, Ulysses brought up is said, you know, basically it was still a goal because during that that run of play there, uh, the handball by Valeri, the ball eventually gets kicked back out. It goes over and Zubak is, ends up scoring in that. So that's the whole thing. But again, does the game change if the first Depew handball isn't called this is the game change if a penalty kick is called instead of you know a a goal from the run of play is scored so you look at these things and all these things matter and i don't like the whole um the whole thing where oh well it doesn't matter all of them matter within the framework of the game if you give a yellow card to somebody that isn't a yellow card and it's early enough in the game or it's late in the game it affects the way that game's played through for the rest of the time there's ripples right butterfly flaps its wings wind japan rainstorms Kansas, everybody, everybody knows this stuff. Um, there are ripples. I was, was going to say, off the rails. I'm ready to go off the rails. I've yeah, got a Twitter thread for you where where we're living in a, a parallel universe. I'll share that with you at a later time. Good. So, Good. something Good. happened Good. in history that that's changed it, and, and that that butterfly wing flapped differently. And we're we're in the alternate reality right now. Right, the LA Galaxy are in first place. Is that is that where <laughs> we're we're at? Okay. Good. I'm glad. There's a there's uh, a timeline where Chicharito is is the leading goal scorer. There absolutely alternate. There is an alternate reality yeah. universe, and that it goes. Um, let's get, move on a little bit. Let's talk about the uh, the the uh, Colorado Rapids. Actually, before we do that, let's uh let's give some stuff away. Let's let's at least have this. Yeah, I know we got, we're we got about got probably about 15, 15 minutes left. Um, I was talking to Victor over at Counterculture, and if you haven't seen Counterculture, you should you should go to Counterculture. Um, we'll have links on our on our Instagram, and I'll put links in the uh, show notes as well. Uh, but Counterculture does some sweet pins and some sweet merch, and so I was talking to Victor, and I was ordering my Mike McGee Legends <laughs> pin. And if you haven't seen this pin, um, it is on that bad. Yeah, yeah, we we should go one box on this for sure. Um, you know, whenever you're looking, if you haven't seen this pin, um, this pin is a, a monument to everything wonderful that is Mike McGee. Uh, the, the replica pin that looks like, uh, the gloves that Mike McGee was wearing. And not only that, it has the 12 and the 18 on there because Mike McGee, as everybody knows, wears number 18, but he had put on, or, or yeah, number 18, but he had to put on. Uh, the number 12 shirt of Josh Saunders whenever Saunders got red carded in that infamous game where Mike began to playing. And so the gloves look real. It all looks real. So I bought one of these and then Victor was like, hey, why don't you go ahead and uh, and give some of these away? And so uh, thanks to Victor, we will. Um, and so here's what we got. We got four pins, including that Legends pin. Uh, if you haven't seen any of their pins, you should go on over there. Uh, the web at, website, by the way, is countercult.cc. So countercult, C-U-L-T, dot C-C. 
Uh, I've ordered a bunch of their stuff. I actually have a bunch of these uh, for the uh, for the for the office and everything else. So um, the Since 96, the Destiny 96 pin, uh, the OG 96, which is fun. Um, I'm gonna call it the the Fleur de Lis, um, which is probably not, but it has a quasar and it's a little flower. Um, and I have <laughs> that one, enough. and I think I think that's cool too. Um, so those. I also have a hat here, the 96, the OG. 96. I didn't want to take it out of the packaging because, um, you know, there's some, they, there's some stuff. They loaded there. you up. They did. I, I got a bunch of stuff yeah. um, here. Uh, and and I bought the Mike McGee pen, so that one goes to my collection as well. So uh, that's good. So we have all that stuff to give away. Eric, you had a, a trivia question, and here's how it's going to work. Eric's going to ask you the trivia question uh, when you know the answer to this trivia question. And I'm sure you're not going to look it up on Google because that would be cheating. Um <laughs> uh, but what you would do is you just go to corner of the galaxy at gmail.com. You have to email me. I'm not taking submissions any other way. Email is the way it goes. Uh, if you get the correct answer, we will put all of those correct answers uh, together. Um, and we will then uh, pick some random winners in there. And I'm going to do these individually. So we're just going to you know have five or six uh, winners, however much stuff I have. I have some stickers here, too. I got some all sorts of stuff. So, Eric, uh, what is our, our trivia question for, for the night? So, like you said, uh, we're going to make you work a little bit. You know, it doesn't mean that you can't get some help, but it's not just, you know, give me. You're going to have to do a little bit of research, or if you're you're sharp-minded and know your Galaxy history, you'll be ready to send that email ASAP. So, the question, because it is a Mike McGee bit of a giveaway, is, you know, Mike McGee, if you know when the last time he played in Major League Soccer, is what is the last team that Mike McGee scored a goal against? So, what is the last team... That Mike McGee, Mike McGee scored a goal scored against. A goal. Doesn't mean so it has to do with the LA Galaxy, by the way. Yeah. I mean, maybe yeah. maybe it is. There are some clues. Maybe that maybe it is, maybe it is the LA Galaxy. Maybe he was on the maybe he was with Chicago. Maybe he maybe he scored against a former team. Maybe that happened too. So anyway, you need to go uh, figure that you, you out because I'm much. sure you. I, I've said oh I, I've given it away. Um, <laughs> but anyway, you should you should go look and email me cornerofthegalaxy at gmail.com. That's how you can win that stuff. I will pick, you know, the four or five or six winners of whatever I have here, um, and then I will go ahead and mail out pins. And again, go to countercultcc. Yeah, show that hat again. Oh, show the hat again? Okay, I'll show the hat again. Yeah. Uh, counter... The one thing I, I got... Go ahead. I stepped on go your ahead. plug. No, it's okay. Counter, so, countercult, countercult.cc is the uh, is the website, and Instagram, I think, is is similar to that. I have it here. I'll, I'll read it off. And the one thing I'll say is, is um, I think we say this like every couple of weeks, is LA Galaxy independent content creators and merchandise creators are really killing it right now. I think uh, I'm on some other text threads. See, I, I can be in other text threads too uh, with some, some LAFC fans who maybe, oh, we got gold sambas. It's like, okay, you got shoes, big deal. We have a whole like, you know, six or seven different, you know, independent companies making merchandise that's unique and 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 desired and cool designs and and clean looking. My only gripe with with, with counterculture is, you know, it's another another company making awesome gear that I now have to spend more money on and, and buy more things. That's that's my only gripe is you now have the you know these awesome designs with the 96 and the great looking pins, uh, in addition to all the other people who've you know I've worn shirts on the show and have sent that stuff you know there, there's a tons of great stuff out there and, and just shout out to everyone who, who's making it happen and to counterculture for providing us with stuff to to do our giveaway today so really really love uh, the look of what they're doing and shout out shout out to everyone who's doing their thing maybe we can do a partnership with them i'll talk to victor that would be fun maybe we could do a, a cog pen i keep wanting to do a cog pen i just haven't really found one that i that i love yet and I, i'm sure victor back. could do it do do it right i'll circle back victor call me text me Email me. We're going to figure something out. So anyway, go support Victor and, uh, and Counterculture there. That's great. Uh, rumors for a brief moment today, and I'm talking about five minutes. Uh, there was a rumor of the LA Galaxy signing a center back, uh, but the author of that tweet, Jen, changed course and said, wait, nope, not the Galaxy, LAFC. And that seems to be where that was pointed. So I just wanted to point that out. If you heard that rumor and you're like, tell me about the rumor. There, there's, nope, and I, nope, I, nope. I, I, I have one thought on that is, uh, there were a lot of people who were, you know, laughing at the, at the Crosstown Rivals because whenever MLS is mentioned with an international story in Los Angeles, they assume it's the Galaxy. So, of course, if they were coming to LAFC, you know, the other country's reporter thought it was going to be the Galaxy. And so you laugh because no one knows who you are. But the one pushback that I'll say, the Galaxy haven't brought in center backs. The one 
uh, player that we did bring in took two months to get here. So let's not exactly celebrate uh, making fun of a team who is making moves and trying to make their team better because I'm not seeing that happening uh, on our side of the aisle. Yeah, it's not. Uh, LA Galaxy last place in the Western Conference, just in case you wanted to know. Just a, a fun, depressing stat. Um, Colorado has not played, I think, its last three games because of uh, COVID-19. Um, so they are three games behind the LA Galaxy in terms of playing. Or two games? Two games. Two. So they're because two the Galaxy games. missed the Seattle game. The so Seattle they, game, okay. Uh, yeah, Colorado's at 13 games played. LA Galaxy are at 15 games played. But this is where I hit you with the yeah, but still because they're still mm-hmm. behind them in the standings, regardless if it's two games or three games. Uh, they, the Galaxy sit behind a team who's played two fewer games, and they still still haven't passed them up. Yeah, um, that's, 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 the, that's the case. Colorado Rapids has 19 points and beat the LA Galaxy last time they played them. Uh, so the LA Galaxy averaging one point per game right now. That's, that's not good. Uh, and uh, Colorado averaging 1.46 points per game. Uh, the reason Colorado has not played games recently is because they had a COVID-19 outbreak that was mostly coaching staff. I think two or three players ended up coming down with it. Um, so when you look at that, you, you sort of say, okay, uh, they were supposed to play LAFC midweek. That game got canceled on Monday night, and LAFC, I think, was supposed to travel out to Colorado that game got postponed. Uh, call it, they are now, um, those two games and all of the makeups that they have to do, I think Colorado has no more spots available. They may end up actually playing after decision day, which is crazy. Um, so keep that in mind as you sort of see this. But it's been 15 days, Eric, 15 days since the last time Colorado played a game. They kind of started training again on Monday, and then I think that got shut down again whenever there was a positive. So yeah. I'm not going to say they're in game shape for all of this. Um, but a 4 p.m. kickoff time on Saturday, October 10th. This game is on Unamas, so you can find it. Um, it was not on Spectrum. Uh, you do not have to weasel your way into a press spot like Eric did in order to watch the game. You can just uh, <laughs> watch it, I think, on Twitter, um, or you can uh, or you can find it on uh, television on Unamas. If you're if you're an English speaker, sometimes the SAP works. It never works for me. People have told me, oh, well, you're not doing it. Right. I I think I can figure out my TV. Um, it doesn't work. Um, so anyway, that's a 5 p.m. kick time in in Mountain Time. And I told you at the beginning of this that the LA Galaxy sort of contrary to MLS rules and what that has been the, the, the trend, which is traveling the day of, the LAS will be traveling on Friday. Uh, so tomorrow, as we're recording, they'll travel on Friday for a game that is Saturday afternoon at 4 p.m. So they will be spending the night in a hotel. They will have an overnight. All those things are things that are happening. So um, Galaxy on a five-game losing streak. Um, and I don't know what you can expect from this game because Colorado is hasn't played and the LA galaxy are this giant question mark. I mean, I don't know. What, what do you think, Eric? Yeah, I, I, I think the, the sad state of affairs is of course I looked up five thirty eight just to see, you know, how are they going to rate a team that hasn't played in 15 days that is, you know, having COVID cases and players drop out. Surely the galaxy are going to be favorites heading into this. And they're not, uh, Colorado is a 49% favorite to win. The Galaxy are a 29% favorite to win and then a 22% chance for a draw. And I don't know that I disagree with what 538 is saying. Uh, you want to say this team isn't in game shape. They haven't been able to train. But how they were playing and how Robin Frazier kind of uh, figured out the Galaxy when when they came to uh, to play them uh, at Dignity Health Sports Park, I think he's going to be able to game plan and prepare. I don't know that the Galaxy have have the answers right now. Uh, Maybe they can find the things that that worked on offense from this Portland game and and make some magic happen uh, in Colorado. But uh, again, you have to go based on what your eyes have been seeing and you you haven't seen the Galaxy dominate a game for 90 minutes and I don't expect them to travel to Colorado uh, you know, for the first time doing an overnight, you know, in a long time and come away with three points. So I'm, I'm preparing myself, uh, preparing myself for the worst. I don't expect great things, even given the difficult circumstances that Colorado is overcoming. Yeah, Galaxy, you know, as much as we talk about, you know, the Galaxy and their five-game losing streak, it's bad, it's not good. Um, the Galaxy have won just four games this year. That was during a four-game win streak. That was it. Um, so you're looking, you know, at the points. They've gotten three draws. So really, of, out of seven games, they've they've gotten at least a point in seven games, but they've lost eight games. Um, those aren't great stats. And certainly the goals for and goals against, uh, minus nine on the differential right now, 21 goals for, 30 goals against, is not great either. It doesn't mean that they're one of the worst defenses, by the way, in uh, the Western Conference. They're not. 
Um, they're probably middle of the pack whenever you look at it. They're not great. Uh, you know, San Jose Earthquakes are, are currently minus 16, and they have given up 40. Um, but at the same time, the San Jose Earthquakes have 20 points. The LA Galaxy have 15, uh, with one that's, game less having having been played. That's that's the difference, right? Right there. I was. That's what I was going to say. The standings are not uh, measured on on goals against average, and so you see Vancouver with with the negative 19. You see San Jose with a negative 16, but you're still staring up at them. Uh, you know, you can get blown out, you know, six three, or you can get blown out five zero. But maybe you grind out those one zero wins, those two zero two one wins, and the Galaxy haven't even been doing that. So, uh, you know, those teams who have been get up, giving up a lot of goals. Uh, sure, you know, pants on them for having horrible defenses, but they found ways to grind out certain games, and you, you can't say the same for the Galaxy right now. Yeah, Sounders, by the way, sitting on 30 points, if you just want to, you know, take that in and, and understand what they are. Portland at 27 points as well. So, you know, the Galaxy have had a tough, you know, Western Conference. We understood that. Um, but, you know, the Colorado Rapids are a game the Galaxy should win, and I have zero confidence that they will be able to do that. Uh, they're just four points out of the last playoff spot, so it's not like the season is over. Um, but the way things are going, it feels like it's over. It doesn't feel like this team can sort of resurrect things. Um, you know, talking to Sasha Kleshin, talking to Dan Starris after the game, it was sort of, you know, can can you fix this? Can you get this right? And it's like, yeah, you know, if we get on a hot streak, you know, you win three or four games in a row in Major League Soccer right now, and that happens in a condensed period of time because all the games are stacked on top of each other, um, you know, you could be back up into the fourth and fifth spot here uh, pretty easily. Um, so... Uh, for me, yeah, go ahead. That, that that's something that stood out to me with, with that Sasha mentioned in the the post game is he he referenced uh, New England back in 2014, I believe, when they had a, a horrible losing streak to kind of start their season, but they you know peaked at the right time, got got hot and, and strung together a few wins and ended up making an MLS Cup final. So he specifically um, you know name checked that that moment and the galaxy, you know, were, were the victors ultimately in MLS cup, but making a run isn't out of the question. And so that's, that's another frustrating thing is because the games have more weight, uh, you know, two or three wins and, and you're right, you're right back in it. But at the same time the you know, you, you've dug yourself in a hole now and you now have to climb out. Uh, you, you can't draw, you can't have moral victories and say they played well, but you know, we only got, you know, only we dropped the points, but things look good. You know, you, you need, there's eight games left. Three points needs to be non-negotiable uh, against these teams th- that are beatable. I, I think if uh, if I'm guessing on a lineup, uh, Chicharito is back, so you'd expect him to start. I would expect Joe Corona to be healthy enough to play. That's a guess at this point right now. We have no updates on his status. Uh, but Joe Corona next to Kitchen, um, you know, you sort of have to make up your mind about whether or not Sebastian Lejet and Efrain Alvarez are going to repeat their roles. I have to imagine that Guillermo is going to want to try that unless... Yoni Gonzalez is ready to start. And in my mind, I think you start him even if he's not ready to start because the Galaxy needs something. And you make Yoni Gonzalez a right wing. Uh, and then you can move Legette back into the center, uh, which puts Efrain Alvarez back to the bench. To me, that makes more sense than than trying to force things. But if Yoni Gonzalez and, and Guillermo certainly has been careful with guys this year and returning them and getting them game shape, um, I don't know if he comes back. We saw him just a little bit in the game. Uh, I liked his aggressiveness. I liked a lot of things, but he was also playing the forward role, Eric. And I think you sort of yeah, hinted at that. It's like, it's like, do they have any forwards? Did this guy? And we know the answer is no, because we've been complaining about that since the start of the season. Yeah, that was my question. That was going to be if if Yoni played Yoni Yoni Yoni. Got to keep saying it. Uh, if Yoni played forward, is that mean that he's going to be? Is that going to be one of his options? Is there? maybe a, a tactics change coming up or was that just out of necessity with, with Chicharito out and Zubak being tired that you decided to throw him up there? The the one caveat that I will say is they are traveling to Colorado, which, you know, sometimes it's difficult to play there because, because of the altitude. And so, you know, maybe that's not the game where you want to throw, uh, you know, Yanni out there and say, here you go, have fun, you know, you know, gasping for air out there. Welcome right. to America. So maybe this isn't the game where you start him. Maybe you still keep him on the bench for this game. Uh, but but I liked what I saw from him. He, to me, he was a lot larger than I expected. He's a, he's a he's a big dude. He, he's built, and uh, I, I like the physicality that he's gonna that he looks like he can bring. So I think he's gonna be a good a good piece. Uh, you know, but it's probably gonna be off the bench in this game. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how it plays out. Um, and certainly uh, a 4 p.m. kickoff time. So an early one. Uh, and so make sure you're, you're checking that out. Unamos is where you can find it. Uh, clarification on the trivia question, by the way. Um, regular season MLS. Last regular season MLS goal. Okay. 
Um, just I want to make sure I'm sure people will find something that's like, oh, well, Mike McGee played in the Open Cup, you know, at this time and blah, blah, blah. It's like, I don't. That's not regular season MLS. No playoffs. Regular season MLS. All right. And if you sent me your answer already, because I saw some of them come through, you are more than welcome to revise your answer. Just reply back to that same <laughs> message. That's that way I know where you're at. All right. Uh, so that's that's where we stand. Again, uh, we have that giveaway going on. The deadline for that will be kickoff of the Colorado game. So whenever that game kicks off in Colorado, and then you have to give me some time to sort of figure out who it is, do the random drawings, do all that stuff, and I will email back the winners. If you don't hear from me, it's because you didn't win. Okay, you don't need to check in. You just you just didn't win. So uh, thanks for playing, but but you know not gonna, not going to happen. So uh, we'll make sure we get all those things, and we'll sort of tell you what you want that type of thing. We'll ship everything out. So again, thanks to uh, to Counterculture for for allowing us uh, to to give some of this stuff off. And please head on over to uh, to Counterculture at uh, countercult.cc. Countercult.cc. Um, and by the way, and the Instagram. I'll yeah, give you the Instagram say, at Counterculture. Yeah, at countercult underscore cc, Twitter and Instagram. All right, there you go. Uh, that's what we have, Eric. Anything else you want to get to before we get out of here? No, let's let's much like the galaxy. Let's just put a, put us out of our misery and get and get on with it. Six goals. You can't allow six goals. All right, <laughs> tell people where they can find you, Eric. Go for it. All right, you can find me on Twitter at hammer ev. You can also find me on Instagram at galaxy profile. That's galaxy p r o f o u l. All right, if you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at jgesman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course, at Galaxy Podcast. Head on over to cornerthegalaxy.com for all of our articles, Grading the Galaxy, everything that you want to see about Sasha Kleshton, all that stuff is right there, cornerthegalaxy.com. All right, for Eric the Portuguese Hammer, I'm Jack Scott, guys, for listening to cornerthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody. We'll